There's a historical town near Ghost Town that sits along the Kansas wheat fields and known as the oldest and only remaining black settlement west of the Mississippi River. Come with us now as we explore the living ghost town and historical site of Nicodemus, Kansas. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Midwest Ghost Town, Nicodemus, Kansas. This is Dan, I'm your host, your history enthusiast, and your ghost town adventurer and storyteller. And today we have a special one as we dive into Black History Month, celebrating the ghost town and abandoned history within the scope of African American history. Taking us all the way back to the late 1800s and the state of Kansas. Quick disclaimer on this one as we carry forward, I call Nicodemus a living ghost town. Some people might call them semi or near ghost towns, but as of today, checking the latest census records, Nicodemus is not at population zero and has under a dozen people remaining in the town. Some might term this as an actual ghost town due to the diminishing number, but one thing is for sure, Nicodemus is a historical site. And this is good to hold in our thoughts today, especially as we celebrate Black History Month and respect and remember the stories of yesterday, of the only remaining Western town established by African Americans during the Reconstruction era following the Civil War. It's interesting how this episode really came about. If you've had the chance to check out my YouTube page on Midwest Ghost Town, many of this community has been around that channel. You might have noticed a short documentary that I put together called The Top 5 Ghost Towns in Kansas. And it's important to note that when I first started doing Midwest Ghost Town, the idea was to start documenting every ghost town in and around the Midwest, not fully realizing just how daunting a task that would be. And so I made a video where I would take five and only five ghost towns and tell their story, trying to keep each town under about a minute to make a short and sweet little video on YouTube. And as I was doing this, I had no idea some of the momentum that these videos would take, but it's important to note that obviously there are way more than just the top five or six ghost towns in each state. And as I would go down the list telling the stories of these five ghost towns, I would have some residents and community members from around the state crying out different names of different towns, ones that I didn't mention, ones that I didn't make in that top five, but nonetheless were just as important in the eyes of some of my ghost town community. And this is where Nicodemus caught my eye. I had read the story of Nicodemus and wasn't completely sure it was an actual ghost town due to people still living there, but mostly diminished and also being named a historical site. But as one of my community members reached out, lo and behold, here is Nicodemus. And what a story. So much of a story that the very grounds it sits on is operated by the National Park Service today as a historic site. You can visit the town today found about 55 miles northwest of Hayes, Kansas on Highway 24, which is between Hill City and Stockton, Kansas. This is the podcast of Nicodemus. But we do have a video documentary in the works, so let's keep history alive and dive into the story. At the time of Bleeding Kansas, and the border wars. There was a growing sentiment between the civilians living in Missouri and the civilians in Kansas that they were literally at war. Missouri, a popular slavery state, had strong convictions with slavery. Kansas, which was a territory at the time, 
had split differences from its political leaders, whether they would join the Union as a slave state or a free state. As time went on, many of these differences were fought by local citizens, and is said to have had as much as 200 political deaths associated with it. When Kansas did come into the Union, it did enter as a free state, and being considered one of the precursors for the American Civil War. Of course, there are numerous things that are happening at this point. Westward migration, often referred to as the Great Exodus, came to be around 1879, just about 20 years after Lincoln signed the Homestead Act and emancipated slavery. This massive exodus and westward expansion led former slaves and free black families to begin moving west, seeking land and new opportunity, cultivating federally owned land. And these westward moving black migrants were known as the Exodusters. Singing the old lyrics to the song, Wake Nicodemus, foretells the story of a town to be. Nicodemus, the slave was of African birth and was bought for a bag full of gold. And then the foreshadowing continues. He was reckoned as part of the salt of the earth, but he died years ago, very old. T'was his last sad request, so he laid him away in the trunk of an old hollow tree. Wake me up, was his charge at the first break of day. Wake me up for the great jubilee. Nicodemus was developed by W.R. Hill, a white man from Indiana who had high hopes of turning the Kansas prairie landscape into a new developed and platted town. He traveled to the backcountry of Kentucky and dubbed it the Promised Land, selling his Kansas to black families as a new opportunity with abundant wildlife for hunting, wild horses for training and taming, land ownership, and a total freedom out west. And there were a couple who shared in this vision. One of them was Reverend W.H. Smith, becoming the president of the Newtown Settlement, and Reverend Simon Roundtree, the first settler to arrive, and Zachary and Jenny Fletcher, who was the daughter of W.H. Smith, who would later become both the postmaster and the postmistress and the schoolteacher. Smith, Roundtree, and the Fletchers staked their claim of land to build and began to develop and named the town Nicodemus. And this is where things get interesting. See, life in Kansas as we know it in the late 1800s was hard. It wasn't an easy living in the open environment and the weather could be harsh, especially for those not used to it. Naturally, the founders wanted to see Nicodemus grow and had a high vision of a black settlement. But the idea or the dream had to be sold. So they went out to Kentucky and began to cast a vision, mainly in the local churches, recruiting people, leading them with this promise. If you are interested, we'll be back to get you and all who are interested. Reverend Roundtree, who sent out the recruitment trail, was known as the Moses of the Colored Exodus. He added this. It's some of the finest country we've ever saw. The country is rather rolling and looks pleasing to the eye, with plenty of provisions for the colony. Black migrants saw the opportunity to escape racial violence and began to head to Cincinnati to take the train west to Kansas, where the closest depot to Nicodemus was a two-day walk. After the Lexington group had arrived in Nicodemus, it was closely followed by another group of around 150 from Scott County. Reverend Daniel and Williana Hickman led his church from the Georgetown area, 
but as several were struck with measles and quarantine, the trip turned short for some. Upon arrival and making the two-day trek through the Kansas landscape, the disappointment hit home. There's Nicodemus, they shouted with excitement. Many who were sick were relieved to hear the news, but as their eyes surveyed the landscape, sadness began to set in. Where's Nicodemus? As smoke poured out of the ground from the half-buried dugout homes, one of the men pointed, Look, there, that's Nicodemus. They went on to set up camp, striking tents at the town site, with the sounds of disappointment and crying in the background. And some turned back. And this was the case again and again as other groups began to arrive from Leavenworth and Topeka, Kansas. By 1880, Nicodemus had grown to a population of nearly 500, with a bank, two hotels, three churches, three general stores, a drugstore, and a newspaper. And by 1877, they even had more churches, stores, a law office with a practicing lawyer, a second newspaper, a literary society, an ice cream parlor, and their own baseball team. Things were looking up. They were working hard, developing and growing, and had high hopes and plans with the Union Pacific Railroad to run tracks through the town, setting Nicodemus up for future growth and success. But just when things were starting to shine for the town, the railroad pulled out. More on Nicodemus after this. Dan here with Midwest Ghost Town. Have you ever wondered what makes a ghost town a ghost town? What creates ghost towns? And a whole host of other questions. Well, we're going to dive into this in our next episode. But next week, we're going to also get into a really fascinating story about an abandoned resort from the late 1800s in Cherokee, Iowa, known as the Fountain House. We'll, of course, dive into our mailbag. We have a whole bunch of fun emails and letters to get into. And that's what I love about this podcast and channel. We consider ourselves a big, giant family at Midwest Ghost Town, a community full of people who are fascinated about abandoned history, ghost towns, well, just history in general. And we believe it's more than just a date or two, or a town here and there. We believe it's about the people who live there and their stories. So like we always say on this channel, let's keep history alive. And one way we can do this is consideration to dropping me a message. You can do that at midwestghosttown at gmail.com. That's midwestghosttown at gmail.com, where you can reach me. If you have a place, a story or two, I'd love to dig into it, research it, and include it in future episodes. I also love giving you a shout out. And if you have other projects, love to collaborate with podcasts and videos as well. Consider subscribing and following along at Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or check us out over at YouTube. Love to have you be part of the community, and we'll see you next week as we explore the Fountain House in Cherokee, Iowa. One of the biggest causes of ghost towns in the late 1800s and early 1900s are railroads, causing probably more ghost towns than anything else. And this was the case with Nicodemus, whose hopes were running high that they could secure the Union Pacific the town issued a bond for about $16,000 to attract the railroad giant. But even after working deals, reworking deals, securing a bond, the Union Pacific could not agree on compensation. And the railroad pulled 
its offer, and instead, in 1888, established a line six miles to the south, spelling the slow fade of the town. After the announcement, several different prominent businessmen began to make shifts, selling land and businesses, and the town was still in existence, but with a steady decline. Leaning on farming for a bulk of its existence, cultivating acres surrounding the community, some near around 1,000 acres each, and yielding successful wheat crops. But 1929 brought Nicodemus, one of its largest disasters. The Great Depression had arrived. Prices fell nationwide. Farm prices dropped to record lows, and poor crop growing methods led to an increase of depleted soil and an increase in droughts and erosion. Soon, dust began to settle the landscape. 1932 through 1934 signaled what was known as the Dust Bowl. There were stories of whole dust storms blotting out the sun, scouring the clouds in the sky and raining down like dust tornadoes, and in some parts, half-burying homes. The land was in ruins. Entire families began to move away, leaving their worthless land and rotting homes behind. And by 1935, Nicodemus was reduced to 76 remaining citizens. By 1950, there were 16 left. And by 1953, the post office had closed. History reflects that there were nearly a handful of black communities that were founded after the Civil War, but Nicodemus was the only one to survive. By 1976, the town was recognized as a National Historic Landmark, and by 1996, it was designated as a National Historic Site, preserved and managed by the National Park Service. Nicodemus, like other places like it, was established as more than a community or a town but a complete ideal that championed the idea of freedom, taking two different actions set forth by Abraham Lincoln and giving them meaning, where men, women, and children of color, complete families, are set free and given the opportunity to move west, stay claim and work the land, plat, develop, and found an entire town, giving traction to the dream, making it more than a dream, but complete reality. The community of Nicodemus's reality shifted with history, but the story and historical value hold true today. As we remember, Nicodemus, Kansas. The stories of the place, and more importantly, the stories of the people. Let's keep history alive. This is Midwest Ghost Town. <laughs>